Welcome back to another episode of Be Investable. My name is Michael Melfi, and today I am very enthusiastic to have Bob Berg on with me. Bob has a best-selling business parable, The Go-Giver, and he had a follow-up, The Go-Giver Leader, which Bob and John David Mann challenged conventional wisdom about success. In this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about their new and compelling book and all about how you can get power of genuine influence in business and beyond. The book's The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most persuasive idea tackling the paradox of achieving what you want by focusing on other person's interest. Bob Berg speaks all over the world on topics related to the go-giver as what he calls the ultimate influence. With his total book sales numbering well over millions, his and man's original book itself has sold over 700,000 copies and has spurred international movement. With that, I want to welcome Bob to the show. Thank you, Michael. Great to be with you. Super enthusiastic to have you. And and as we were talking off air, it's it's been a while that I've been... uh, following you and our journey here to get today where we're, we're on the podcast. I'm really I'm really thankful you took some time out of your busy day to talk with us. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you. And, and we're going to get into the go-giver influencer by the end here, but just kind of going back as I was joking with you, I got this tattered book that I've carried around with me for quite a few years here called The Go-Giver. Where did it come from? How did you come up with the idea? How did you get started with this whole go-giver ideology? Well, I had a book out years before that. It was my first kind of big book. It was a how-to book. It was called Endless Referrals. The subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. And it basically took people who were in sales, but who didn't feel comfortable with the the prospecting process, the relationship building process, and the various things you had to do to get to the point where you could get in front of really good, high-quality prospects. And I simply took them through a a step-by-step methodology for developing and cultivating relationships where people felt good about you, where people began to know you, like you, trust you, want to see you succeed, want to do business with you, want to refer you to others. The basic premise was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And and that was, you know, that was the, the essence of the book. But I'd always enjoyed reading parables written by other authors. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point in the, the early 2000s, I thought, wouldn't it be kind of a cool idea if we could take that basic premise of endless referrals, the no like and trust, and, and turn it into a, a parable? And, and my first question to myself was, so what's the essence of a person who consistently builds those kinds of relationships and has a hugely successful, financially profitable, financially sustainable business. And the answer is they're always giving. They're always giving value to others. And that's sort of how we came up with the name The Go-Giver. And I asked John David Mann, who was at the time the editor-in-chief of a magazine who I knew and who was known in certain circles. Now he's known in many circles, but, <laughs> but, but he was known in few, a specific circle back then as being a brilliant, brilliant writer. And fortunately, I was one of those who knew about him. So I asked him to be the lead writer and storyteller, and we've collaborated on all four books. And we're going to talk about the next couple books in a second. Before we hop off the go-giver, there's the, the five laws of stratospheric success. Is, is, is there one that reigns supreme or one that you need more than the others, or they all kind of fit together? Yeah, they all fit together. It, you know, it's sort of without any one of them, you could still theoretically be successful, but you wouldn't come near being as successful as you potentially could be if you utilize all five of them together in conjunction. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yesterday, as we're, as we're sitting here talking, I was talking with someone. And they they made a comment about how I tend to, in, in my life, be a go giver of sorts with a lot of the people I work with. And when I when I think back to this book, is so many times it made so much sense of the law of value, or the law of compensation, or the law of influence, or the law of authenticity, or the law of reciprocity. Is just like so. If you do those things, you will produce great results for yourself and for others. And it's such yeah. it's such a great little book. I just want to thank you for writing it. Oh, thank, well, thank you. That means a lot to me. Thank yeah. you. And you went on, and you know, I thought that was that that book was enough. And then all of a sudden, I get back out, and next thing I know, I don't know if it was a bookstore or Amazon, but a couple more came out, and one was the Go Giver Sell More. That. Yeah, yeah, Go-Giver Sell More was sort of an application of the five laws of the Go-Giver because we had people who would be emailing us stories of, of, you know, how they utilized the laws and had great success. And then, of course, there were many people who were very, very successful, Michael, and that was long before they had ever read The Go-Giver. And what we found is really the early adopters of the book were mainly those who already were very successful. They'd already been living their lives and conducting their businesses in this way, uh, and what they did is they, they would write to us just to kind of say, thank you for putting into words you know, what I've been doing and what I've been able to, what I've been trying to, to tell people. Yeah, and it was such a great book, and obviously as the, the, the title says, Go give or sell more. That the book's all about that. It, it, I think it does a, a great job following that up. And, and, and the the third one that came out was uh, the Go Giver Leader. And yeah. and so a little bit about that one. Yeah, this is a person. It's a, a you know another young kind of a, aggressive, ambitious guy, Ben in this case. And and he's sort of he, he's he's working his way up the mergers and acquisition department of of a, a major company he works with, and he's charged with getting a. Uh, a family-owned business that's a real kind of hometown business where there's a lot of closeness and a lot of love there, but they're very they're very much struggling financially. And he's charged with having to persuade them, if you will, as to why they should want the company he works for to take them over. And he goes into it really thinking he's <laughs> going to just sort of lead them to that decision. And, that's right. And, and he's going <laughs> to. But what he had, what he found out was it wasn't leadership was not about him. Right. It was about communicating how he could bring value to them. Yeah. And what out of curiosity, what made you decide to write one on leadership at this point? Well, a lot of people and, you know, many people utilize the go giver in their leadership teaching, but it was really more about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And and so a lot of people wrote and they asked, you know, would you, you know, will you be doing one on leadership? And we really hadn't thought about that until we were asked. But, you know, the mar- when you listen to the marketplace, they'll usually tell you what they're looking for. And we really saw there was an opportunity here to, to hopefully bring some value in that regard. But, you know, there's plenty of wonderful, great leadership books out there, and we can benefit from all of them. This just happens to be one in which it's put into story form Yeah, that hopefully makes a, a, a point that is relatable. And, and just, this is out of my own curiosity, Annel, Ben, Alan, Augustine, all those characters, were, were there any real-life people, or are they truly made up for this parable? Well, for this one, they were all made up. Uh, okay. The first one, in The Go-Giver, we sort of used models of, of some different people that John and I both knew. But they were okay. still mostly made up, but a lot of the actual events in The Go-Giver were actual events that happened, either in my life or John's life, and we simply put them into the story. You know, the one thing that I think resonated was this this idea of servant leadership. You know, there's the giving leadership and the servant leader. How do you differentiate those two? What do those mean to you? I don't 
think there's so much of a, a differentiation. I, I think it's sort of, you know, I think they're very congruent with yeah. one another, you know. So, I, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't really see that there's a, 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 you know, that there's a significant difference in the two. So someone, someone hears this podcast and they're like, I want that. And they, they pick up the book and they read it and they say, okay, I still want that. How do they actually make it happen? How do they bring it into actuality in their, their lives, their careers, their entrepreneurial journey, their leadership? How does it actually implementation take place? Well, you know, something like anything else, the implementation happens because you you make a decision to implement it and you take action on it. And that's why in The Go-Giver, if you recall, Pindar, the main mentor, his condition with Joe, remember there was one condition for mentorship, and that condition was that Joe had to apply each law that he learned, that he learned that day, he had to apply it that very day or night before he went to sleep. Mm. He didn't have to do it perfectly. That right. wasn't the issue. Right. And and it wasn't a matter of thinking why will it work or why won't it work. No, that that wasn't it either. It was simply take the action. And that's so important. And and I would say that any of the laws that we share in any of the books are all very action oriented and very simple to apply. It doesn't mean it's always easy, but it often is. But the big thing is to begin applying the information because, you know, knowledge without action is the same as not having that knowledge at all. Totally. And before we hop into the fourth book, I have to ask you, it's an illustrious career you've had. You travel around the world speaking to people. In your journey in, in becoming a best-selling author, what was the most challenging moment for you and what did you learn from it? You know, I'd say any time that you accomplish something, it's getting past your own self-imposed limitations. Yeah. Because I think we all have them. (laughs) We may not look like we have them, and that person on stage may not look like he or she has them. You know what? We all have them. (laughs) Yeah. And and I think once we get past that, we're, you know, we're, we're okay. Totally. I mean, you and I don't have them, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right, but everybody else, right? right yeah. Exactly. Harum, harum. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's great. Is there any one moment that's been the highlight or one book that's the, the highlight for you or any speaking engagement? You're like, wow. And you look back and you're like, that's pretty amazing. You know, I, I would have to say that The Go-Giver, with having sold over 700,000 copies and seeing how it's taken, you know, how it's caught on in the marketplace, mm-hmm. that's really been a thrill for me. Yeah. You know, when I hear from people who talk about using it at, you know, when they, as, as for family study sessions or, you know, how it's used at, 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 in, in different, you know, just in all these different kinds of things, whether the locker room or the boardroom or the what have you, that's a thrill for me. I, I never, ever get tired of, of hearing that. Oh, that's great. I will make sure to, to note to our listeners that if you have used it or are using it, make sure you reach out to, to Bob and share that with him. <laughs> so you. let's hop right in. You have this new book, The Go-Giver Influencer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. I read a quote. You said this, you can get the results you want while making others feel genuinely good about themselves, about the situation, and about you. And I'm sure yeah. there's some listeners when they hear that that say, nah, there's no way possible. Come on, Bob. What? No, it's, um, you know, the, the people who you see who are the most sustainably successful people, people who are well-respected, well-regarded, these indeed are people that, you know, when you come away from a conversation with them, you feel better about yourself. You know, you feel better from having been in, in conversation or with them than you did beforehand. And at the same time, these people are always advancing life for all. 
So it's people who genuinely and authentically are interested in bringing value to others. And when we talk about genuine influence, because when you think about it, influence itself on a very, very basic level can be defined as simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, Mm -hmm. right? Usually within the context of a specific goal. Mm -hmm. That's the definition of, of influence, but it's not the essence of influence. The essence of influence is pull pull as opposed to push. We've all heard the, the, the saying, how far can you push a rope? And we know the answer is not very far, at least <laughs> not very fast or very effectively. <laughs> By the same token, you never hear someone say, wow, that Ann or that uh, Dave, he is, he is so influential, he has a lot of push with people. Mm. No, he has a lot of pull with mm. people, because that's what influence is. It's not about pushing your will. It's not about pushing your ideas on others. It's not about being butchy. It's about pull. It's an attraction. Great influencers attract people first to themselves and then to their ideas. And the way they do it is through being interested in the other person. It's asking themselves questions such as, how does what I'm asking this other person to do, how does it align with their goals, with their needs, their wants, their desires? How does what I want this other person to do, how does it align with their values? And when asking ourselves these questions thoughtfully, intelligently, genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another human being into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process. Now we've come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment as opposed to depending on some type of compliance, which is never sustainable. That's so interesting. In in preparing, I read a little something where it says there is a major problem in the world today. It's not people disagreeing with one another. It's that they cannot disagree agreeably, civilly, and most importantly, persuasively. I just, when I read it, I had to read it twice because I want to make sure I got it, but that's such a a powerful statement. I I know in this book, you talk about the five secrets of genuine or ultimate influence. Mind sharing with us a little bit about what those are? Well, it begins with controlling your own emotions. That's where it begins because it's, it's only when we can do that, when we master our own emotions, that we're even in a position to take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. Now, the fact that as human beings, we are emotional creatures can make it difficult. And so we're not asking anyone to deny their emotions or forego their emotions, just to master their emotions. Make sure you control them as opposed to they controlling you. Or to sum it up, as one of my great friends and mentors, Dondi Scumbachi, says, by all means, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. (laughs) The second one is to put yourself in the other person's shoes, which sounds simple and even sounds kind of trite, until you recognize the fact that most of us have different sized feet. In other words, we can't necessarily put ourselves in their shoes. We're not in their shoes. We don't know how they feel, what they think. We come from probably totally different belief systems. In fact, most conflict is the result of two or more people looking at the same thing from very different viewpoints. So only by asking questions and then listening 
And as one of the mentors tells his protege, listening not just with your ears, but with your entire posture, actually with the listening with the back of your neck, which simply means you bring your whole entire being into listening to this person. And not only do you learn more, and are you able to understand this person and what they need, what they want, what challenges they have, but they understand that they're being listened to. And that makes a big difference. The third is setting the proper frame. And a frame is simply the foundation from which everything else evolves. This can be as simple as when you meet someone new, having a a genuine from the heart smile on your face so they know that you're you're looking forward to meeting them it might be that you're uh, that you're in a conversation with someone and a person walks in and and they'd like to join you but they don't know if they're welcome so you open up your body language you create the frame you set the frame that that they are welcome but it also might be that when you're in front of a prospect about whom you're about to for, for whom you're about to do a presentation for your product or service and this person's kind of defensive and resistant because you know perhaps they have been you know hard sold to or felt mm-hmm. pressured by another salesperson and you're going to set a different kind of frame and you might say you know Mary while we've been able to help a lot of people with this product whether or not it's the right answer for you we simply can't know without exploring deeper and determining whether it meets your needs so please know our conversation is for both of us to discover that and if it does great if not that's okay too so you've provided her a you've set the frame of your two allies just trying to look out for her best interest as opposed to an adversarial salesperson prospect type of situation. Hmm. Four is communicate with tact and empathy. My dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. And I've always admired that because it, it takes a strong man, a thinking person, a strong man, a strong woman, a strong person to think first before they talk, to consider how what they say is going to affect that other person. I see tact as a way of communicating an idea to someone that they may not be intuitively receptive to, okay? And that's life, that happens sometimes, but it's communicating your idea in a way that not only are they not defensive toward you and resistant to your idea, but they are more open to you and thus more receptive to your idea. Tact and empathy allow you to do that. And the fifth one is the counterintuitive one that, as you know, we always put in as the fifth law. This is the one that kind of goes against, seems to go against everything else, so you go deeper and you realize it actually fits right in. Right. And that is to let go of having to be right. Now, again, this does not mean you don't want to be right, that you don't prefer to be right, and that you're not prepared and you don't do take all the action necessary that you normally would. Not at all. It doesn't mean you're going to give up. It doesn't mean you're going to compromise. It doesn't mean any of that. It simply means you're letting go of your attachment to having to be right. Now, one might think, well, doesn't that make you less influential, less persuasive? Actually, just the opposite. Because when you let go of having to be right, two things happen. One, you go into learning mode. Without that, you know, when we see so much of the common debate today, two different sides, and nobody, you know, it's, it's don't confuse me with the facts, my mind is already made up. You can't learn that way. And that's where, where confirmation bias sets in, where just as the, the, the name, the term says, Anything, anything that you hear or see that confirms your already held beliefs or biases, you'll accept and take in. Anything that doesn't, you'll ignore. You can't learn that way. You can't be effective 
that way. So going into learning mode helps you have more knowledge. But the other thing is when you do that and you operate that way, the other person sees that you're not someone who's just trying to overcome them or defeat them or make them wrong, but instead you're simply seeking truth. And they're much more willing to go that route with you. Hmm. So I... I have to ask you this one. I'm actually going to ask for a friend because the master your emotions, it, it was an interesting one you started with. This seatbelt principle of emotions that I, that I read about. Yeah. That simply means that, you know, that you're driving the car. You're the decision maker. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, your emotions should be with you. We, we should, we're, again, we're not denying our emotions, but just make sure they're not driving. As, as one of the mentors, Judge Celia Henshaw, told her, protege, Jackson, she said, when you allow your emotions to drive the car, you're at the mercy of a drunk driver. Okay? So make sure your emotions are in the passenger side, seat belts safely fastened. You need to be driving the car, your logic. Hmm. So very interesting. I think I want to thank you for the the insight on that book. I'm I'm looking forward to finishing reading. I got, got into it before the podcast. And Bob, I know we talked about that you're doing something special for the listeners and, and anyone for that matter. If they'd like to get a little more deep, rich content from your books, any of the ones we talked about today, obviously the Go-Giver Influencer, they can go to thegogiver.com, sign up and receive two free chapters. And I just want to thank you for that. Thank you. I got to ask, what's next? Is there another one coming you, you can tease us with or are you, are you good for a while? Yeah, well, we're good for a while. It's always, you know, once once one of these gets done, it, you sort of want to, well, it's not that you can take a break because now the promotion starts. On the, <laughs> yeah, right. Book. But, you know, we, we'll have to see what Pindar and his uh, friends <laughs> feel they have left <laughs> to share. You, know, you never know what they come up with that in that fictional town of theirs. No, you definitely don't know. <laughs> well, as you know, the, the podcast is called Be Investable, and I'd love to ask you as the author of The Go-Giver and three other great books, when you hear that, what does be investable mean to you? Well, you know, I come from my own biases, right? And so in, in something like this, it's always it's probably going to have a different meaning to different people. So mm-hmm. to me, being investable means you're a person of value. You're someone that an investor or investors knows that if there's one thing about you, it's that your focus is on bringing value to the marketplace. Mm. You know, as we say, money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder to value's lightning, which means the value comes first. And the money you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you provide. So, you know, a a person who's investable probably isn't focused on the money because, remember, no one's going to buy from you because you want the money. They're going to buy from you because they see value in doing so. So I think that person who is always looking to provide exceptional, exquisite value to the marketplace, as the marketplace sees it as being of value, that's the person who's most investable. Hmm. I love it. That was a great definition. I want to thank you. And on that, I want to thank you for joining us on the show and looking forward to many more conversations with our listeners in the near future. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being with you. And with that, we will wrap up another episode of the Be Investable podcast. One quick note for the listeners, if you would like to get two free chapters of any of Bob's great books, go to thegogiver.com, sign up, and you can download two chapters of any one of the books and get some of the deep, rich content you heard him talking about today. 
Once again, my name is Michael Melfi. You are listening to the Be Investable podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to check out the latest edition of our magazine, go to www.getinvestable.com forward slash magazine and sign up for your free issue. Until the next episode, stay strong.